When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, a typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Merry Christmas and happy holidays from all of us at Cup of Justice. Before the holiday weekend kicked into gear, Liz, Eric, and I snuck in a Cup of Justice episode. We weren't able to get into all of the crazy news that happened in the past week. Specifically, there is a lot more to talk about when it comes to Colleton County's release of a year's worth of Clerk of Court Becky Hill's emails. I am sure we will be talking more about Becky's emails in the coming weeks as we continue to read them. Also, we're told that there is going to be a serious and disturbing announcement from her co-author Neil Gordon on Tuesday morning. Today, we are focused on the appointment of Justice Jean Toll to hear Alec Murdoch's motion for a new trial. Eric has personal experience with Justice Toll. Plus, we share what our sources have been telling us what our appointment might mean and what we can expect to see in the next two months. Like we said in True Sunlight, we are cautiously optimistic, but we are also on guard. In this episode, we will talk about the reckless publication of more than 2,000 pages worth of emails from Becky Hill's county email address and some of the chaos that it has caused. Not only did the fast and furious publication of her emails result in the needless and cruel harassment of a special needs adult, someone who is a friend of this podcast, we discovered that Becky is behind the defamatory lie that Liz and I were kicked out of the courtroom during Alec's murder trial. I'm telling you, last week was a weird one. But all of this has opened our eyes even more. Not only does this whole Becky saga show how broken the system is, both through her egregious behavior and now she is still being used for Alex to get a new trial, it shows how ruthless people can be. That said, it's not going to drag us down or stop us. If anything, our drive is even stronger and 2024 is going to be a great year. Let's get into it. All right, guys, cups up. Cups up. Cups up. Well, what a way to... Uh... Roll in the Christmas. Right. <laughs> Merry Christmas to us. Man. <laughs> Merry Christmas. There's so much to talk about. Um, Mandy, I'm going to let you take the lead on this because um, I think there, I want to I want to hear what you, you want to do first here. Okay. Because... Well, let's talk about judge toll let's talk mm -hmm. about that first 
Yeah. Because uh, a lot went down this week, but I still think the most important thing is that Alex now has a new judge assigned to his murder case and motions related to it. Um, and th- the biggest decision probably in South Carolina judicial history in a very, very long time is going to come down to Justice Jean Toll. And we've done a lot of research and Eric knows Jean uh, Toll. A lot of people who I know have been telling me very random things about Jean Toll and you two. A lot of lawyers um, are extremely familiar with her. She is 80 years old and has been around a long time. Uh, I think it's fascinating that we have this person that it was already such a huge piece of South Carolina history because she started in the state house in the 70s and was the first female Supreme Court justice in the year 2000 and 1988 actually Mandy um she was the oh, su- ni- oh and then she was the first chief justice in yeah. 2000 yes correct uh 1988 she was the first Supreme Court justice ever and the only female right no there was one uh that served with her um afterward and then when she was gone that was it which is pathetic by the way there <laughs> by this time in history it is really really sad and i'm just going to make this comment about feminism and it is really sad how much the feminist movement has just delayed or stopped entirely and some and in some cases gone backwards uh this woman was in the state house in the 70s and the state house has not gotten any better as far as equality with women or caring about women's issues it has not improved whatsoever so that aside um what is interesting about jean toll is that i think the most interesting thing that i found out about her through a lot of conversations was a lot of people say that she does what she wants and she is hard to predict And so that makes this a lot even more interesting. She also has a long history with Dick and a long history with pretty much anyone who has a who's had a career in the legal community in South Carolina. It seems like everybody has a story about this woman. Uh, Liz, what was the most uh, important thing that we learned about Justice Toll this week? Uh, first, I want to note that when you started talking about uh, Jean Toll, I had forgotten that that happened this week. Like that's how long this week has already been. It's just, I totally forgot that we haven't known that for weeks. Um, one thing I want to note, we didn't say this in, I don't think we said this in the episode of True Sunlight, but uh, we had gotten word that um, this was going to happen um, possibly. And then, um, you know, it, it seemed like it had pulled back a little. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys remember me texting you a couple of weeks ago? I do, two weeks ago. Yeah, something like that. Um, Because we started to hear that. um, And we were we had mixed feelings on it. I know, um, Eric, you'll talk in a second about your feelings on the matter. But from everything that um, we have been told um, so far, uh, people are seeing this as like, generally a good sign or a signal from the Supreme Court that they want this buttoned up fast. Uh, And it seems like what we're hearing today is that there was a phone call between, which Eric, you'll talk about, between the AG's office, uh, the defense, and Jean Toll, or Judge Toll. I guess we should call her Judge Toll. Justice. Justice Toll. Justice Toll. Justice Toll. Okay. As long yeah. as you are a former Supreme Court, you are called Justice. Okay. We will get that right in next episode. I was saying Judge because she is not a Supreme Court judge. Yeah, to not confuse anymore, it. But yeah, yeah. So Justice Toll, um, you know, it, it looks like it might be a sign that she is going to uh, put a bow on this. I guess is the nicest way to say, and to deal with it swiftly and fairly. And uh, but like Mandy said, that you know, from what we're also hearing, is she's incredibly unpredictable. So, um, but I will say that even though she has a reputation on the one hand of perhaps maybe being a part of the good old boy system, maybe because she had to be. Uh, she also has a reputation, and just, just from the news clippings that we, we read uh, over the past week, of uh, surprising people uh, who, were her, who would think that they were her friend or would think that they would get some sort of beneficial treatment because they were her friend or because she thought she liked them or, or something like that, you know? So... Um, it sounds like she can be rather no nonsense. So I'm, I'm very cautiously optimistic about this. Um, Eric, why don't you tell us um, about your experience with Justice Toll 
and in your reaction and your immediate reaction yeah your immediate reaction to hearing that it was going to be her i didn't like it um she is a incredible powerhouse intellect uh probably the smartest of any supreme court justice our state has ever had um it, it is true that she was in the legislature first and then she jumped immediately to the supreme court she wasn't an appellate court judge she went straight from the legislature um she's a she has a political background so sometimes politics i believe infects some of her decision making um as opposed to just pure jurist she is though without question smarter than anybody in any courtroom probably still is even at 80 years old my problem with justice toll is her sometimes her demeanor um you know when you see a justice a judge like um judge newman who is very reserved and measured and doesn't humiliate or dress down litigants justice toll is an old-time judge and judges differently than judges do today she she owns her courtroom it, you know she pees on every corner in that courtroom it's hers and you know it when you walk in there and you know if you're on the winning side it's great if you're on the losing sky side you get excoriated and you can be humiliated um i think she has a tendency to beat down litigants more than she should of course i have a uh, a little bit of bias because of the in ray bland decision that she she did involving my partner and me um in reversing a lower court judge who held our behavior to be commendable and in the highest uh professional standards of our rules of professional conduct i i just think that she was handed this because i think justice Beatty decided that i don't want to put this burden on any other circuit court judge to have to take this kind of heat either for keeping the verdicts preserved or reversing it for a new trial she doesn't care what anybody thinks about her are you saying that because of perhaps her age and her status that that makes her free of she she has friends sometimes to reward and enemies to punish or she has friends to punish and enemies to reward you know like you said she she is completely unpredictable um i worry about her temperament uh i worry about what procedures are going to be put in place the fact that there was a status conference and you know i represent four jurors and i wasn't even told of that status conference and i i believe that my jurors have the right to legal representation in any type of proceeding dealing with alex myrtle's verdict where they're going to have their verdicts questioned um you know We'll have to wait and see. She runs a rocket docket. This will be really quick. She, you know, when you walk into her court, she will have read every single thing. This is not a judge that doesn't read everything or only reads cliff notes or her law clerks do a little executive summary for her. She reads every single thing. And she is a very lively, um, vocal judge that will challenge you. So she isn't reserved like newman newman didn't ask a lot of questions when arguments are made he lets the parties make the arguments it's she conducts a courtroom like you would in an appellate courtroom where you start to open your mouth and she'll jump right in and ask you a question i i want you to go here you want to go here but i want to take you here um she is a very activist type of judge uh, and she's been able to make that smooth transition from being an appellate court judge justice to a trial court judge and she's handling some extremely complicated things like the asbestos class actions that are taking place in our state um she's fully capable of it um i just am not a big fan of her temperament so a couple things um about justice toll that that we learned this week um one is that while she is very smart and I would say, I would say well-respected considering her, I mean, there's a lot of, it's just really hard with somebody like that because I, I know that the world that she 
she really had to carve her own path in a world that was completely against her. So I could understand her temperament being the way that it was, because I'm sure that And I also question if, like, I saw a lot of articles about her temperament and her cursing and the way that she conducts herself in court. And I just was looking at those articles from, like, you know, the 80s and 90s and wondering, well, I wonder how many male judges are written about in this way. And I just think because she was a woman, people expected her to be a lot more polite, a lot more reserved, and she didn't play that way. Uh, But at the same time, and we do have to bring this up, she has a checkered past, uh, specifically with a two hit and run situations uh, where there was uh, one of the incidents she uh, was believed to be drinking and admitted to in the police report, um, but left the scene. And she also was... uh, off and on, it sounds like has been friends slash enemies with Dick Harputlian. And it does concern me too that Dick Harputlian said in the August 2022 hearing regarding the Murdoch murders trial, Dick specifically named Gene Toll as somebody to handle discovery. And he said, what about Justice Toll? And that to me, sounds like Dick Harputlian would only say that if he thought that Justice Toll was on her side. But I mean, who knows? This is going to be a major wild card. And the other thing that I've heard about her, I hear that right out of the gate, it's going to be very obvious of what she's going to decide. Like, she does not hold back on her opinions about anything. So right out of the gate, we will be able to tell if she's on Dick's side or not. Uh and that will be very interesting. But Eric, it's in, let's it's talk interesting. About- it's interesting that uh, her lawyer for her private lawyer for a lot of her past problems, whether it was, you know, with the accidents or uh, some of her judicial um, issues was Cam Lewis, who is best friends with Dick Harputlian was before he died was Dick Harputlian's best friend and Becky Hill's lawyer is Will Lewis, who is um, Camp's son. And so it's just so incestuous. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. It's just incestuous. It's just too much close relationships all the way around. It just seems like you, you're we're retreading the same players all the time. You know what I'm saying? That's because you have to. It's I think in the way that South Carolina is structured, there's like maybe what, like 15 to 25 lawyers who really are at the heart of all the action, not just with the Murdoch case, but um, with things that happen in the legislature. So that it's hard to extract yourself from that when, when uh, especially when like lawyer legislators are holding on to their power so strongly, it's never going to get fixed unless, I mean, like that's really the first block in getting that fixed that, you know, if you want to, there's 2,500 lawyers in South Carolina, right? Like something like that. So why do we only know about, you know, 50, like we keep hearing about the same 25 lawyers, not even, I, what is it? 10 20, that we're hearing about 20, constantly. Yeah. 20 times. Yeah. It's the same. Um, but I think it's funny that you used the phrase earlier that she pees on her territory because that's how Dick fancies himself as somebody who comes into the courtroom. He literally used that phrase in an article that we um, constantly quote from, I think it was like Whistleblowers Weekly or something. Um, that was something that uh, he prides himself on. So it almost feels like we're going to be watching um, Dick Flash meet his Titans. match. Yeah, Clash of the Titans. Titans. Yeah, and I'm happy to hear, Eric, that uh, she reads everything. I think that that's necessary for us to get, if if our position, which it is, is we don't think that Alec deserves a new trial. We don't think anything that we've seen so far has merited that. The way you get to that opinion, uh, I believe, is through having read everything and understanding the accusations that uh, Dick and Jim are making within the context of, I guess, bringing context to it. Because, you know, standing on its own, obviously, we can see that from the media. You read their their original uh, motion to the appeals court uh, when they first lodged these uh, accusations about jury tampering. And naturally, you come away from reading that and you're like, oh, my God. 
But once you start to insert the context and clarify some of the misleading statements that they have in there with the truth, you, you start to see that like this whole thing falls apart. There's actually like literally no scaffolding to it. So in order to get there, she's going to need to read everything. And that that is so encouraging to me. So I'm really happy to hear that despite, and as far as her hit and runs, like we should note that they happened a long time ago. Uh, she, and she, uh, she did the right thing from what it seems like other than like, they didn't give her a breathalyzer or anything. She reported herself to the bar. Uh, she admitted, I guess, to drinking and that it could have affected, I guess, um, her hitting the car. And then additionally in the second crash, which happened a couple of years after the um, first one, she came back to the scene. Um, she said she thought that she saw no damage, but she ended up, you know, uh, she got ticketed in both cases and, you know, paid her fines or whatever. So, um, I just want to note that not to say that, um, it's a good look because especially when we know that a certain judge uh, named judge Carmen Mullen is well known in Beaufort County as being a menace to the road. She is a fast driver and she, um, you know, gets pulled over. She's known among the law enforcement as getting pulled over a lot. So, um, for her speedy driving. And we'll be right back. Calling all lovers of mystery. Prepare to don your detective hat in June's Journey, a free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. Take a trip in time to the glitzy 20s and play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. The thrill is endless with new chapters added weekly, allowing you to not only enjoy the detective adventure, but also to personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. As y'all know, we're out on the West Coast connecting with fans, meeting with partners, and having a little fun too. All the planes, trains, and automobiles can be stressful. But do you know what's going to keep me comfy and confident along the way? You guessed it, Viore. And Viore makes a fantastic gift for the people in your life who deserve the most comfortable and versatile clothing. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash COJ. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash COJ. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash COJ and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. So the other thing that is hard to predict with Justice Jean Toll is how she is going to be as far as transparency. I have heard that she likes the spotlight. I have heard that she likes making her mark. I heard that she, but at the same time, she is very old school. It, it, she's 80 years old. So cameras in the courtroom probably aren't, you know, her jam. Uh, she also was a part of ruling against having cell phones in the courtroom not for media just for this for civilians so for civilians right yeah, yeah so it's up in the air about that but eric let's talk about how we just found out about on friday after a certain thou who shall not be named media outlet uh, reported on a hearing that took place. It was a status conference hearing with the Becky Hill situation in Justice Jean Toll. And that it does, I don't know of any other media outlets that knew about this. Eric didn't know about it. Um, I, I'm upset about this because we asked the AG's office specifically on Wednesday if there were any upcoming hearings, and the AG's office said no. 
Um, and the fact that they slipped this in the Friday before Christmas is just not a good look. So, Eric, what can you tell us about this hearing? First, I want to tell you that there is something good about Justice Toll, even though, you know, there's some things that I don't like about her. She was instrumental in amending Rule 41 in our Rules of Civil Procedure to say we can't have secret settlements anymore that affect the public interest, which was a huge, huge rule that was put in place because, you know, in civil cases, defendants want to pay money so that they can keep everything that was alleged in a lawsuit under wraps and and uh, judges will not approve a settlement if they feel that the issues involved in the case go beyond the parties themselves and have a public interest effect. And I think that's a good thing. It's, it's what we talk about in True Sunlight all the time and why you guys started Luna Shark, sunlight, sunlight, sunlight. So that is something that was, um, I think, a really good development that she was instrumental in putting in effect in our rules of uh, procedure. Uh, yes, there was a status conference. It wasn't a live status conference. It was a phone status conference. Um, and that's old school judging. Uh, most new school judging is they want a status conference to be an open court, put it on the record um, where there's a court reporter. Uh, old school judging is status conferences back in chambers where there's no court reporter and and you know, there's a, a collegial exchange between the judge and, and the litigants or phone calls, which often don't have court reporters. Um, evidently, there was a, a an introductory phone call that she wanted to make uh, because, you know, she hits the ground running. She runs a rocket docket. It's not going to be, well, we'll set a hearing in March. Then we'll brief it in April and the decisions will be in the summer. I'm telling you, we're going to know where everybody stands like by February in this case. Um, Eric, how, how much do we need to worry about uh, Dick's legislative immunity? I think we ha I think we have to worry a lot about it. Um, he certainly wants these hearings to go place. So when it behooves Dick, he's going to he's going to participate in any hearing that, you know, behooves him. He's not going to want to wait until the summer to have the motion for a new trial heard. So um, I think his goal is uh, to have this case reversed and then scheduled for a trial in the fall. And Mandy, you've talked about it. Like if he's going to get a new trial, let's throw it into 2027 or 2028 and let all these other people who are sitting in jail that have had didn't have their day in court in all these counties or from the grand jury, statewide grand jury, let them get their time. Why should Alex keep jumping to the front of the line? He's had enough of deference given to him and his lawyers. But uh, so I don't think the legislative immunity is going to be an issue on any of the pretrial hearings. I think it's going to be an issue on tr on scheduling a trial. Now, she had a status conference. I was told uh, I spoke to Creighton Waters and he told me that, you know, nothing was set in stone. He expects that there'll be another status type conference, whether it's going to be a hearing or a phone call in early January. And that's when the parameters are going to be set. But I said to Creighton, look, I represent four jurors. If somebody's going to be setting parameters regarding what what discovery is going to take place or who's going to have to testify, whether it's in court or out of court. Um, I want to be a part of that. I want to be weighing in on the record regarding my clients. Now, Creighton said that uh, the law says that the courts have to choose the least restrictive means to get at jurors who already have served if there's a post-trial jury issue. So he said that he believes that Justice Toll will be following that law to make this as narrow and restrictive as possible. Remember, from Dick's press conference, he wanted it as broad as possible. I want to depose every one of these jurors. I want to subpoena their phone records. I want to subpoena their text and their emails. I'm not sure she's going to do that. I know that the AG will not advocate for that. But I told Creighton that I, I would like to write Justice Toll and tell her, hey, there are other people that have an interest in what is going on from a legal standpoint, not just the defense and the prosecution. And he said, there will come a time where you will do that. He said, it's just not now. I think we should probably uh, be clear to people because I think we can get kind of confused here. So what Justice Toll has to decide is whether or not 
Dick and Jim, whether or not there should be an evidentiary hearing, correct? That's the first hurdle. Um, no, there, there's no. going to be an evidentiary hearing. It's what leads up to that end evidentiary hearing. Dick wants to be able to have as much gotcha. discovery okay. so that when he walks into that hearing, he's going to know what juror 165 says and juror 238. The state says, no, 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 no. This is a, a, a hearing that's conducted by the court not by the parties. That's the difference. Dick wants to run the show. Justice Toll, we're hopeful, is going to be the one that runs the show. But couldn't Justice Toll decide that I have heard your arguments on both sides and so far what's been, because what's the point of the motions, right? The motions are to show you uh, the full, uh, the 360 on the argument, like they're like Dick and Jim's best argument along with uh, the state's best argument. Couldn't she read those and decide I've seen enough. I, I don't, I don't think that there's yeah, cause. The answer because is technically yes. The answer is no. Sometimes judge the judges do make a decision on the briefs. Remember judge Gurgel did that a lot of times on the post-trial motion. You remember of Russell Lafitte, he said, no, he did it on the briefing. In this particular case, because of the public importance of this, um, I don't believe that's going to happen. There's going to be oral arguments. Remember, this is the most important case maybe in our state's history. It's going to go down as one of the top three legal cases in our state's history. I think it has to be open. I think it has to be fair. But I also worry about, is this going to be a decision that is guided by a judge as opposed to the evidence. That's that's what concerns me because she runs her courtroom and makes up her mind quickly. Like Mandy says, you'll know right out of the get-go where she's going, what she's feeling. And that's what concerns me. I think I want, to, I want everybody to present their evidence and then there should be a reasoned decision. I don't want anybody jumping to some, such early conclusions. Well, I guess I feel like I can relate to her if she does have an early conclusion, because once you've read everything and once you've seen like the full scope of how Dick and Jim have conducted themselves and, and just sort of like the fruitlessness of some of their arguments, not to say that every single one of them was uh, trickery, but uh, certainly quite a number of them were, you know, based on hyperbole, hyperbole and overstatement uh, and, and a lack of context and, and a truncation of facts. Um I, I don't have a problem. I mean, I just, I guess I have to trust that anyone who would read, because I, I think a lot of these people may be online or, or what have you, they're not reading the full scope of things the way Mandy and I are. And therefore, like, I, I can guess I can kind of understand their opinion if you're just basing it on headlines or like the quick take or right. the, the TikToks or whatever you're watching or um, going on YouTube or whatever it is just to get your news. Um, but once you've read the full scope of the whole, the whole thing, I feel like it's, I mean, I, I think that's a good sign. So I, I go back to that, I think. Yeah, it's a wild card. And what I'm excited about too, is I've seen a couple people say that if Dick is out of line, she would be one to call him out. So it's going to oh, be yeah. very, very interesting if she does that, or if she lets him get away with things that will be extremely telling too. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. You will not see the same dick. It's not a flamboyant dick. You cannot be flamboyant in front of Justice Jean Toll. There's no theater in her courtroom. It's her theater. You understand? She's the one that will put the theater on. If you are bombastic or you're disrespectful or you interrupt, she will dress. She can chew your ass better than any judge I've ever seen in my life. It's that simple. That's great. Like, I, so you're saying basically that uh, if Justice Toll were in the room when Dick pointed his automatic weapon at the prosecution, then great. Well, yeah. hopefully she hopefully she like. sees that in her in her stack of papers. Oh, but, she wouldn't um, have tolerated him with the baked bean comment and the and the bag of the phone in the bag. She wouldn't have tolerated what makes you special, Agent Worley. She would have stopped the trial and said, Mr. Harpoon, one more crack like that, and you're going to be held in contempt. 
you're making me like her, Eric. You're making me like her. I am excited. Yeah, I'm <laughs> right. <laughs> she sounds like our kind of people. Um, real quick though, do you either of you know what her relationship, if any, is with Judge Newman? It seems like they attended a lot of the same like high-profile events uh, for like uh, President Obama and such. So I'm just wondering because I know there's an element here from what my sources are telling me um, is that uh, Chief Justice Beatty. Uh, it really wants to put an end to this. He's sick of the nonsense uh, with the Murdochs. He's sick of the, um, you know, just the state being made a, a fool of. And um, he does not appreciate uh, how Dick and Jim have thrown uh, Judge Newman under the bus the way they did. So, and, um, yeah. Sorry. And it costs the state over $500,000. I mean, think about that and think about having to do that again and how what a colossal failure that would be. I mean, uh, I don't want to think about it, but it is important to note that that will also be on their minds and it's going to be a big decision. So I'm excited. Real quick about the money though. <laughs> I think, um, what was I going to say about that? Uh, oh, uh, sorry. This is all just to say like, you know, I feel like when we have these discussions, you, like, let's just remove Murdoch from this. As reporters, we would always leave open the possibility of like, maybe there was jury tampering and maybe that's what they'll discover and maybe this will end up with a new trial. And if so, you know, that's just. We're not saying it here because of like, again, going back to the scope of what we've read, the, the people that we're talking to, like, there's nothing that has shown us that there was jury tampering, which brings us to our next point, which we will talk about after the break. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. It has done wonders for our seasonal allergies. We recently started feeling the effects of spring. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, sinus congestion, and pressure with ease. Ready to live life as if you don't have any allergies? It is time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. So one of the things that happened this week is Colleton County did a major FOIA dump, which essentially they published uh, the all of Becky's emails from January through present day. Now, um, we had done a FOIA as well uh, as all these other news agencies. We didn't ask for the full scope of it. We asked for specific um, dates. And I just want to say, uh, first of all, Colleton didn't uh, we got to be clear Colleton didn't publish it one news outlet published all of the emails so that's important to know uh and second of all highly suspicious that all of these news outlets um FOIA'd for the exact same thing and FOIA'd for that much and especially a lot of these news outlets who have been very, like, I'm sorry, but lazy and not aggressive on the story whatsoever. I am shocked that they all, and that would be a very expensive FOIA as well. Um, I'm very shocked that several news outlets wanted to FOIA for the exact same thing and that we didn't get that memo. So I'm... A uh, little light bulb inside Mandy's head thinks that uh, somebody named Dick Harputlian or one of his besties uh, whispered into the ears of several reporters and told them exactly what to FOIA for, which happens to us all the time. Uh, a lawyer doesn't want to give us a FOIA, but they'll say, here, here, like, you need a FOIA for this, this and this. Look for this on this date. Here you go. And it seems like that happened here, which is, huh, interesting. But. Whew. So, and also it's very rare 
for a clerk of court, for a news outlet to ever care about a clerk of court's emails to this extent. And it's extremely rare to publish every single one of them um, without hardly any redactions. And Beth found one redaction, which was very interesting, which happens to black out several names of Colleton County employees who got a raise this year, which, ha. Huh, why would you uh, redact that? And you didn't redact lots of private citizens' contact information. Lots of things were problematic throughout that entire FOIA. And they decided to redact uh, <laughs> their own, probably they were, it looked like they were protecting their own information. I uh, am very upset about a lot of this. So I'm trying to, you know, keep my anger and keep my cool here. Um, what are you angry about, Mandy? Tell me. Give it to me straight, Rocky. I think what I'm most angry about, uh, and Liz and I had a very long conversation about this yesterday, is that we are both so tired of giving people the benefit of the doubt included in this story and seeing them through a lens of being a good person and wanting wanting them to be good and I'm tired of being disappointed by people. I'm tired of being betrayed. I'm tired of just being lied to. I'm tired of this year, we, uh, all three of us have been, you know, stabbed in the back many times. And that's been a very hard thing to handle. And the emails, First of all, I want to say this, nothing to do with jury tampering in those 2000 pages. We've seen nothing. So that's, we have to be clear about this. It's a good thing. Which is a good thing. Good thing. It's a good thing. And we have to keep focused on that. The bad thing is that they make Becky look horrible. Um, Becky made Becky look horrible, Mandy. Becky made Becky look horrible. Um they tell the story of a very... What do you mean by that? I don't understand. I don't understand. So I think we're, we're maybe beating around the bush a little bit here. Um, there's a couple of things happening. Um, one is obviously there's some piece of this that we're a little self-interested in, which would be that it turns out, um, and Eric, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a lie going around during the trial that said that Mandy and I had been barred from the courtroom, that we had been booted from the courtroom. And... I thought that this was a rumor that was just being perpetuated by um, people that uh, have been jealous of us in the past or like are threatened by our success or what have you, uh, because it seemed to be coming from those camps. But what it turns out is the perpetrator of that lie uh, was Becky, that she was uh, there's an email in there from Thad Moore with the Post and Courier where he actually did his due diligence and tried to get to the bottom of the rumor and asked Becky, hey, is it true that uh, two reporters have lost their courtroom privileges, which I, you know, I do take issue with the word privileges because it's not a it's it's an open forum. It's a public it's public space. So there's no privilege in actually being in the court. You just have to obey the judge's orders. But um, that said, uh, he did his due diligence and tried to get to the bottom of it. And he she offered him an equivocal answer and said, well, they're not here. So it must be true. And from what we've gathered, um, just in uh, various p bits of information that have come to us, that she uh, continued to perpetuate that lie and, it, and even went so far as to correct uh, Jay Bender, who is a First Amendment attorney. He is an attorney to, I, 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 would, get, I would venture to guess that every uh, news agency in the state has used him at one point or consulted with him. And he was the official liaison, media liaison of the, of the trial. Meaning he was the go-between. And Gene Tolt's right? partner for the last 30 years before she became a judge. Yeah. Yes. And so um, Jay Bender, he's been on our show before. That's right. And he um, yeah. So he served as a, a liaison between between Judge Newman and the court and media. So um, what bothers me about that is it speaks to our credibility. And that was the thing that bothered me from the beginning is just like, hey, look, like we like we trade on our credibility. That's that you you are listening to us because you know that what we're telling you is the truth and that we've checked it and that we uh, did our due diligence. Uh, so for somebody to say that we did something wrong and got kicked out of the courtroom for that. But what's frustrating is to see that, um, you know, reporters and trolls who 
knew the answer. They knew that Jay Bender had said, no, that's not true. And he said it in their presence. And they decided to uh, go with what Becky said, I guess, because they continued to perpetrate that lie and spread that rumor. We spoke with uh, Jay Bender over text today, and um, I just want to read what he said because I just want to put this to bed once and for all. Liz, happy to hear from you. Neither you, Mandy, nor any other reporter was excluded from the courtroom during the Murdoch murder trial. I am confident that had that happened, it would have been brought to my attention. So that's one thing to be angry about. This is not petty, by the way, just to, to all we're these not listeners. Doing, we're not being petty. This isn't petty. We're defending ourselves. The, I, no, yeah. I'm saying, right. I'm saying this is not a petty gripe on our part. This is, no, no, okay. no, 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 no. I'm saying the listeners may think that, oh, we're just doing that because our oh, feelings yeah. are hurt. No, no, no. This goes absolutely to your credibility. And and, and I wasn't, I was uh, mocked on something else that was false. But Becky said that you had been reprimanded, Eric, for taking a picture right. in the courtroom. Uh, because it, that's insane. Um, it. it it did not happen. The The point I'm trying to make is people may say, oh, you guys are being petty because you're trying to, you know, uh, change the narrative here. And it's such a small picky issue. It's not. This is a major issue. This is credibility. You guys are journalists. I'm a lawyer. I know how to behave. OK, yes. At a break, I had a selfie taken with my wife and Creighton but not during court and nobody ever reprimanded me. And, you know, a lie runs so fast before truth can even wake up and opens its eyes. And it just makes us look bad. And it's not petty that we're bringing this up. It's a, it's a, it doesn't make us, it makes, it does not make us look better because I think that we've held our own very strongly throughout this whole thing. I don't think that people have lost faith. I think that the people who perpetrate the lie were trying to make us look bad in the hopes of, uh, you know, lowering our status or our importance in this exactly to knock us down. Knocking us down. And one thing I really want to say here, I mean, this lie was perpetrated up and I mean, they're probably still, talking about it on Twitter. I literally had to remove myself from Twitter yesterday because I was getting so angry. And when I'm angry, I just need to not be on the internet. And I've learned to do that in the last few years. Good for me. Pat on the back. Um, I, they were perpetuating this lie up until yesterday in the, a lie that they know is completely untrue, a lie that hurts us. And what was making me mad was seeing specific tweets saying that we are liars, saying because we lied about being kicked out of the courtroom, we are lying about everything else. And that is where I have a major problem. And that is where I get extremely defensive because again, the credibility that we have built in these last two years, uh, four years since this investigation began is our our most value. It is what makes us. It's your currency. It's our currency. And it's what it what made our two of our podcasts number one in the world, by the way, it is what makes us so far above all of these people that were so petty and all of these reporters who were perpetuating this lie and were laughing with Becky Hill about haha. They were in little huddles saying haha, Mandy and Liz got kicked out of the courtroom. And I, I I'm hurt by it. I'm disgusted by it. And again, I want people to know if reporters perpetuate this lie that they know to be untrue, they're going to do that with other things. And I also want to say, again, this is really hard. And I have realized throughout this story that a lot of this has just become incredibly personal and intertwined with our own lives. I didn't change my mind entirely on Becky. I, I think we've known in the last few weeks that Becky is likely going to get into trouble and that Lucky and that Becky played fast and fast and loose with the rules as a clerk of court and with her position. Uh, I thought that she was more naive and more had a good heart than I do now. I think that that's been my biggest change of let down let down and i i think let down right and i think the other the other thing that i saw with those emails is seeing that 
how much Becky really values everybody loving her and being the popular one. And you can tell that she is constantly stirring the pot with everybody that she's emailing and she wants to be an important person and she wants to be somebody, somebody that everybody likes. And by the way, she is the one that emailed David way after several days after jury selection and said you two can have another media pass we have a record of that becky knows that we were not kicked out of the courtroom and she still perpetuated that lie and because the other reporters hate us so much and she knew that she could get on their good side by stirring the pot and an elected official cannot do that an elected official needs to uphold the rules and Hit it down the middle. She needs no friends to no friends to hurt and 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 to reward and enemies to punish. And let's be honest here: any successful person is going to have people who hate them. You just have to realize that. And it was very clear in those emails that Becky could not understand that. It was like it was like watching a high schooler who wanted to be really really popular and wanted to do everything to get everybody to love her. And it also, it, again, the the soft side of me saw that and was like, this must be absolutely horrible for her because look what happened. This is what happens when you try to be everyone's bestie. And this is what happens when you try to be on everyone's good side and you refuse to stand up for the truth and stand up for what is right. This is what happens to you. So I've lost respect for Becky. I've lost a lot of sympathy for Becky. However, at the same time, I'm still sticking to my guns on I have seen zero evidence that she did anything to tamper or influence with the jury. And that is the most important thing. And there's nothing in those two. I mean, those 2000 emails make her look bad. She was talking about her book. She was doing a lot of work about her book to the point it was just ridiculous from her county email. Well, let's be clear. She wasn't right. It doesn't appear that she was writing her book at work. It just appears. I mean, she was she was doing sort of the right. Like there's nothing in there that she was doing research for it through her county email. I don't. Can we agree that this has been a concerted campaign? Yes. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. And some of it's true based on attrition by all that's coming out. She's going to not get any benefit of the doubt. Isn't that the goal of whoever's all yes. behind all of this? That there's just so much that's going to wait on her shoulders that she can't bob out of water enough to have credibility. But again, we, you know, Mandy and I will say like that her credibility sucks, and I, I, I but I don't think her credibility is the is an issue here to the extent that I think they want to make it because it's not her word against the the juror there's 12 jurors they each stood up in front of judge newman and said this is my verdict i this is my my opinion so to come back now and in and, and all of them you know most of them anyway the ones that are, are were appeared in the uh, state's response none of them are saying that becky did anything that would change that changed their opinion so we have to keep the focus on that I want to say this as well. I, I really don't want to come off as because I was personally betrayed in those emails that that made me completely change my uh, Becky has been a slow burn in this past month of getting to know who she really is. And great description. Uh, we're finding out every week more and more. I don't I still do not think it's fair I still don't think anybody would care about any of this had Dick and Jim not hung her out to dry and thrown her in front of the bus and then the train <laughs> early in September. I would venture to say you're right, Mandy. If you went to any clerk of court who has served for 10, 20 years in a particular county, there would be not flattering things that you could uncover about that person. It would be in any position of power. You're 100% right that people, you know, say things in an email that they shouldn't say, or they use their office email for this, or they use the power of their office to get catering or whatever. It, 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 this isn't isolated. It's just under the focus right now for her. Right. Right. Shooting fish in a barrel. They, I mean, I, I, I knew, like, I mean, I, I really, cause like working for the 
working for a county government, I spend a day there, like take your daughter to work day and your daughter will see that uh, these people, uh, generally speaking, um, are not, I mean, it's, it's night and day to the private sector. Um, I forget who I was talking to, but I was talking to somebody about um, the, sort of the difference of like when you take a private sector job after working in the county or wherever in local government or what have you, you come off as this like star employee because um, you know, the, they, they, I'm sorry, when you go from the private sector to the public sector, because you are used to a grind that is so different from what they do on a daily basis. That's not to say every uh, public employee, there's so many that do great jobs and are hard workers. Uh, so I don't want to take that from anyone, but, but, but there's a lot of people that are, you know, if you have time to lean, uh, you have time to clean. They're just hanging out um, there for the paycheck and uh, look at their budget as their own personal piggy bank. But, um, one more thing I want to say about the emails and what I noticed about the ones that were released through the FOIA. Um, we've done a lot of FOIAs in South Carolina, a lot at this point. And I, it was very clear to me that whoever released this FOIA within Culleton County that they did not want to protect Becky one bit or anybody involved in any of those emails. So it's specifically Becky. It seemed like they, uh, and we know that the lawyer for Colleton County, Sean Thornton is a part of Jeffy's office and that's a whole nother thing. Meaning because he has to, he, he approves, uh, he would have a hand in approving the FOIAs. Yeah. Um, and we need to talk about a couple huge problems with that. First of all, officials have, it seems like way too much wiggle room to decide what they can and cannot redact when it comes to FOIAs. I have seen some ridiculous FOIAs that like for, or not even FOIAs. Uh, one time I was looking at a police report in Beaufort County and they blacked out where the city that the crime took place in. <laughs> like they get that extreme with just, there's some people with a real heavy hand when it comes to redacting. And but you can also tell a human is behind this and a human who either wants to burn the person or wants to protect them. And this one seemed like the people of Colleton County are ready to hang Becky out to dry. But because they were so incredibly reckless with their lack of redaction and because a news outlet published the whole thing rec recklessly. And I think that's the thing you have to pause on and, and focus on for one second here, because even though Colleton County gave that bulk of emails out and, and did um, only at what looks like a partial redaction, one that apparently benefited them, they left phone numbers, private phone numbers, um, et cetera. And you can talk about that in a second. But News publications are not protected. Just because it was released to you, you publishing it puts the responsibility on you as a news outlet. So for instance, in this particular bulk of emails, there's a live link to photos of Paul's dead body. That violates a court order. That violates a court order. They were sealed by Judge Newman. So you're not protected because Colleton County accidentally uh, released them the same way Becky accidentally released them to Netflix. Um, you are not protected. We as journalists have a responsibility to protect our agencies from, from libel and from defamation and from damage, damage like this. We have a responsibility to check and do our own redaction so that we're not putting people's, we're not broadcasting and amplifying uh, people's private information that what we put out there is meaningful and in and speaks to the larger issue that we're talking about right so you know you, you, there's an argument i'm sure that can be made like let's just see it all and everyone can go through it and i i can i can get on board for that but you still have a responsibility to take out the parts and, and tell people that you took it out like news agencies say all the time like we we decided not to run the name of the victim we decided not to run the you know the the, the redacted parts are phone numbers and personal identifying you know there's a way to do it, but you have to take your time. You have to go through page by page. Uh, but this sort of, um, it's just this idea of like, I want to get this out there before everyone else. And that's fine, but there's consequences to that. And the consequence is that now uh, Paul's, uh, the Murdoch family, who 
I have no love for. I think that's pretty obvious, but I th- I don't think anyone should should ever have their loved one's uh, dead body out there broadcast for people. I don't unless you know unless they want that unless they they want the public to see that. Um, I can't imagine that they do. Well said. Well said, Liz. Let's end the show with a positive note. Trista's Sunshine Company makes all sorts of fun crafts, and I want everyone to go to her website and check it out. It is tristasunco.com, and I think that I'm going to order a ton of things from there. I'm very late on my Christmas gifts, obviously. I think it would be great if we saw a bunch of our members support her and her company, and if she... And I want to spread as much sunshine as possible because she's an amazing person. And I don't want people to forget that. Well, I got to say something to you, too. I want to wish you, too, and your families a very Merry Christmas. Um, When you look back at this year, you know, because we're not I'm not going to see you guys until the Weston function next December, uh, December 29th, next Friday. I want everybody who's a premium member or people who are sun, you know, sunshine members and people who COJ and true sunlight come, come meet us. We're going to be there, but I want to wish you guys think about what we've had. We've had the murder trial. You've had your book tour. We've had all these different things happen in just the last nine months. I mean, it's just been a power packed year. I want you guys to relax this week, enjoy your loved ones and, you know, Liz, enjoy your family. Um, I'm going to enjoy mine. I can't wait to see you guys. I can't wait to see what next year brings. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of neat things going on. I have some things going on, uh, professionally and personally that, you know, I'll talk about in the coming weeks. And, um, I just want to wish you guys all the best. And I'm just so glad that, you know, you are my sisters. Thanks, Eric. You too, Eric. Merry Christmas to all and to all. What a good night. And on that note, cups down. Cups down. Cups down. I hope everyone had a good Christmas. Thank you, David. Awesome. Cups down, guys. Cup of Justice is a Luna Shark production created by me, Mandy Matney, and co-hosted by journalist Liz Farrell and attorney Eric Bland. Learn more about our mission and membership at lunasharkmedia.com. Interruptions provided by Luna and Joe Pesky. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.